Hello and welcome to our first episode of Zebra Talks of the New Year. My name is Pamela Lennon, psychologist and wellbeing consultant for Zebra Health. I'm joined here today, Sarah Keane, physical wellbeing consultant for Zebo. Today we'll be looking at some wellbeing trends for 2022, looking at the challenges and opportunities we've had over the past two years, and looking at what the new workplace environment might look like in the coming year. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sarah. Um, so how's the new year going for you so far? Oh, hi, Pam. Uh, well, look, like so many of us, um, I've been recovering from COVID and um, it struck our household there uh, on St. Stephen's Day. And um, yeah, I guess it kind of leads into our first main topic and on what so many employees and employers, the most immediate health and well-being um, issue we're confronted by is, is managing COVID, the, the volume of cases at the moment. But also what we're really seeing is that recovery phase um, and the, the diversity in individuals' experiences where some people are really bouncing back and it doesn't take them long to get back to full steam, but that there is a significant uh, percentage of people dealing with the aftermath um, physically and mentally um, with fluctuations in energy levels and mood and brain fog. And this is really posing as um, quite a significant challenge for individuals, obviously depending on their own severity of experience, but also for employers. And so what we're seeing as the kind of first big thing in the next coming months is how, you know, how to put supports in place for employers in managing that and in managing staff that are having mm. such a, a diverse experience in terms of their recovery phase, as well as how to manage employees who are actually like really um, back to full steam and maybe unaffected by COVID and, and the demands placed on them that they're compensating for perhaps having to work extra hours, depends on the industry and the context but having to work extra hours and, and yeah, and, and pull up. So, so what we're seeing is like we're developing solutions around um, how to support uh, ma both management um, in terms of developing leadership skills that can support them and, uh, and their own stress levels as well, um, as well as um, well-being solutions like training courses that support, you know, positive health behaviours and, um, self improve self-awareness and kind of the mm. backbone of that <laughs> I won't talk too much more on this but it, it just is so it's so pressing at the moment would be the NHS have a guide a three P's guide to help um, uh, both individuals who are managing their their illness mm -hmm. to pace themselves to prioritize and to plan um, and then how that can also help um, managers themselves as well help um you know help the, the employees who are struggling to face themselves prioritize and plan so that's kind of like the the, the first and most pressing issue we're seeing yeah. um but i guess as an adjunct to that um and, and on the back of the healthy staff having extra pressures you're probably seeing as well a, an increase in um the demand for mental health support and absolutely yeah um just following on from the impact of you know psychologically of having covid of being afraid of catching covid 
of you know people working remotely over the last two years is that um, there are some worrying mental health trends out there up to 60% of the Irish population, I think, um, have found that their mental health has decreased significantly since the pandemic. And even before this pandemic had kicked off, um, burnout had become a key issue or a psychosocial stressor in um, 2019. So you can imagine now, two years later, where people are mostly working in isolation and not having that kind of face-to-face engagement with work colleagues that um, burnout would have significantly gotten worse. Um, and also what we're seeing is high rates of, you know, emotional re- exhaustion being reported, particularly last year, even yeah. to the level of, you know, people experiencing this kind of existential crisis, you know, because we are so used to, you know, we're working hard, then we're planning holidays or events or weddings of friends, etc. Um, and when people didn't have this and they were, you know, working in isolation, that they kind of fell into this more of a state of languishing where they're not necessarily flourishing or not necessarily in poor um, mental health state. Yeah, but yeah. that it's kind of like, you know, not motivated, nothing really to look forward to. And that's where we see um, this, you know, higher rate of attrition in the workplace because people are just leaving their jobs without necessarily having another job lined up that would have, you know, previously been the norm there. So um, resignation. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's maybe, you know, again, that remote working, not being in the office has really made people reflect more on the work that they do and um, really evaluate the values of the organization and whether they align with what they really want, particularly with that existential crisis people have kind of reevaluated. you know what's the meaning of life even like why you know if this is all I'm doing working and then maybe binge watching Netflix shows or on social media you know is this it you know not getting particularly when we're in that five kilometer restrictive zone as well um it really I think met people it feels like a lifetime ago in a way but yet we're still grappling with the yeah I think it had an impact um I think you had some stats on the percentage of those willing to possibly leave their current roles um do you yeah. Have yeah so it was um it was a Microsoft work index 2021 report and um it actually this feeds into the shift in work models but they did report that 58 percent of employees were willing to uh, leave their leave their current position. Wow. That flexibility in work 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 um, environment or working hours and mm. um, both an environment whether they could work from home or remotely or on site. And um, yeah, they were just willing to um, t- take the risk and just leave. So Pam, as you're aware, in our national wellbeing survey, top three ranked stressors were workload, communication, yeah. and management practices. And that kind of yeah. leads into the second main theme here around mental health. Yeah, um, I've been listening to some podcasts on psychological health and safety. And basically, there, the thing is, is about how to understand what psychological safety in the workplace is. It sounds very wordy. It's hard to imagine what it actually is. But it really is all about protecting mental health. It's a preventative measure instead of, you know, trying to maybe address stigma, which is more of a reactive kind of a response. 
But workload demands, communication, management practices are all what you would call psychosocial risks. And yeah. in each organization, there are different, there's going to be different psychosocial risks. There could be cases of bullying, there could be just, you know, um, very demanding KPIs, yeah. you know, too much work for people to do. And then that leads to burnout because it's kind of an unsustainable way of working, you know. And what we're really looking at here post pandemic is how do you maintain your workforce and how do you create a sustainable working environment? And there are standards now, aren't there, Pam? Yeah, um, there was a just been released a new globally agreed standard. It's the ISO 45003. And basically that sets out a set of principles by which organizations can work towards to prevent, you know, any psychosocial risks um, where, you know, there's different components of it where you can carry out um, a psychosocial risk assessment where basically it's like a health and safety risk assessment. But instead of looking for, you know, uh, opportunities for trips and falls, it's kind of pulling out where, you know, employees can report if they're experiencing, you know, excessive workload demands. It creates a, a kind of a conversation or a ported conversation with them and their manager um, where, you know, there's, there can be an action then about how that might be rectified. Of course, there's going to be individual cases where people might find work challenging, but it's very important to highlight, you know, that root cause analysis of what's causing this, you know, yeah. um, so extended stress. Say that again, sorry. Oh, sorry. It's almost like a checklist, you know, a guide yeah. framework. Um, yeah and I suppose it makes it more objective rather than subjective and um in a way kind of treating it like health and safety I remember uh working in a place many years ago and the focus was quite strongly on health and safety in you know in an office environment that would be inherently physically safe you would think as opposed to um a warehouse for example but the Lack of focus on psychological risks always kind of bamboozled me, really, because it was such a stressful environment. There was even trips and falls and accidents because of that high pressure, high stress environment. And I just wondered why is the focus on something that is actually of much lower risk than the mental health impact of the work environment that was there? So I'm delighted as a result to see, you know, this prior prioritization of psychological safety, you know, unfortunately post pandemic, because it's really kind of put a, a spotlight on mental health because of the challenges over the last two years, people are more comfortable about talking about, you know, mental health in the workplace and how it's affected them trying to look after their children while trying to work as well. So I think it's a very good thing um, to see coming across globally. And just to mention, it's Australia and Canada that are really leading the way in the policy and guidelines for psychological safety. But it's something um, for 2022 that Zivo are looking to create some services around that in terms of risk assessments and uh, gaining accreditation with that ISO as well. So employers have the support and kind of have a framework or even know where to start with this where to start you know what it is and how it applies into each individual organization it'll depend on the style the industry and the size of the organization as well so it's always important to get that root cause analysis of you know maybe doing a well-being audit of like what are the key issues here and how what's so important especially with attrition in in a lot of the McKinsey reports is like asking your employees 
how they're feeling instead of assuming that this is what's going on as opening well. the dialogue and, and yeah which is so important and the importance yeah. of compassionate leadership and that empathy is more relevant and important now than ever before I think as well rather than your process focused you know all about the job you know people are really searching for quality relationships with their colleagues and their managers and having feeling valued yeah um, in your job that mental health at central center stage and and it's really kind of on the back of what I just mentioned around the recovery of COVID mental Mm. health we all are so interdependent the biggest and most exciting workplace well-being competition is returning the fittest workplace challenge 2022 the fittest workplace challenge 2022 is a company versus company well-being challenge that pushes organizations to measure up against themselves to ensure they are not just improving the health and well-being of their employees but also creating fantastic engagement and keeping spirits high within their organization hosted through our zevo health technology we keep your employees connected and engaged while promoting positive well-being no matter where in the world they are do you think your company has what it takes to be titled the fittest workplace 2022 if so contact us today for more information zevohealth.com so with the first two trends we've discussed uh recovery from covid mental health at the fore then um, and these themes all of course so interdependent and interwoven it really feels that it it leads into the kind of third big trend and the third topic i guess that at the fore of most employers minds uh in coming months and yeah into the rest of the year mm. is this management of the hybrid work model mm. and um for some individuals working remotely long term um which was never foreseen at the start it was always a couple of months and, and then it just snowballed um, and so what we're seeing is like employees a surge in employees demand for and expectation for flexibility yeah and the microsoft 2021 work index of over a survey over 30,000 employees it was like 70 percent of employees are demanding this hybrid work model and um for some employers uh, of course that's possible depending again on industry and context but for some employers that can be quite challenging um, particularly th- those who want their employees showing up on site and mm-hmm. for things like innovation and you know that communication piece you spoke Absolutely. about that um that can be so much stronger in person so another trend that we're seeing um in navigating this is like well providing supports for remote workers um for managing hybrid setup because uh, McKinsey reports that over 60% of companies don't have a hybrid plan. Mm. But we're also seeing that um, the evolution of the, the office environment and the actual redesign of the workplace and that employees wanting, if they are going to return to the office, that they have a lot of the, the perks or the, the features that were so uh, lovely about working at home um, in the office so we're seeing things like and I know this seems kind of incidental but um more casual dress code for example and a shift in having more um uh, resiliency spaces available and 
you know, um, how to air quality is at the fore of so many ventilation, certainly, ventilation, yeah. which was not on anyone's radar, very few people's radar two years ago. And so you're we're seeing this, um, yeah, a, a real surge in interest from employers around how can they make that, that office environment more enticing um, and not only from the health and safety perspective, as you mentioned before, but it's like, how do you make create spaces, workspaces that actually really cultivate well-being? And um, so kind of uh, dovetails on that ISO safety standards, you know. Yeah. And it kind of changes the whole workplace environment, because if you're working in that hybrid space, you want to bring people in for collaboration, for meetings, but also in those meetings, you'll need your cameras and microphones because yeah, some yeah. people will be remote. So it's going to be a challenge for management to manage this as well as contact tracing and, you know, managing of hot desks, who's going to be in, who isn't. So it will definitely be key to start planning, uh, you know, how this might look or how it might be managed. And it'll take a lot of flexibility as well and um, to accommodate for that flexibility and connectedness. I, I thought yeah. there were two key themes in the research that were coming through in terms of a lot of um, trial and error. A lot of trial and yeah. error. And and I guess the key here is like personalization, isn't it? Like you know, some people want to be in the office and thrive there and others um, you know, it's how to how to kind of support meeting with the diverse needs and preferences is a big challenge. Mm. Um, just around uh, the workplace piece as well and the evolution of the, the on-site and managing the hybrid, we are also seeing uh, another big trend is a greater integration of technology in terms of supporting employees' well-being. Um, you know, with the COVID tracker app, for example, we saw how technology can play such a powerful part in promoting health and also mm. supporting individuals through the challenge. So what we are also seeing is this translating into the workplace and employers now um, and employees alike being more receptive and open to using technology um, and technological support. So such as even things like um, online EAP programs to talk with a counsellor, yeah. um, having your webinars, co courses, trainings, just at the touch of an app. And so we're seeing how technology can be used by employers as a way to, to create sort of cohesion between staff that may be working mostly remotely and those that are working on site. So just a tiny example of that would be something like our Fittest Workplace Challenge, um, where you can have teams of employees that are some on site seeing each other every day, but yeah. working closely with other, other employees who are working remotely. Um, towards a common goal towards a challenge that's novel and fun I, and it seems like these um something like a two-week challenge um you know it, it's just a, an accessory and yet now we're seeing how actually uh, it can play such a powerful part a fundamental mm. part in supporting that kind of cohesion uh collaboration yeah absolutely and again it's that Lack of connectedness we've had over the last year or two, lack of poor communication as well. So you can only imagine the development in, you know, technology for keeping people connected in a hybrid or remote or, you know, on-site environment. That mix is going to be 
really important, I think, that way as well. You had mentioned when we were chatting yesterday about financial well-being being a new trend that's emerging. Yeah, so we're seeing financial well-being uh, starting to feature in kind of these more holistic, whole-person um, approaches and programs that employers are implementing. So we're going beyond just diet and exercise and really expanding that. So we're seeing that in 2022 that more employers are looking at supporting their employees financially through information and resources but also looking at you know p- uh, increasing pto we've seen the um mandatory sick leave coming in mm-hmm. so really appreciating how something like our finances is such a bedrock or foundation flagstone of our well-being and um, but like the you know there, there's our National Wellbeing Survey, for example, showed that one of the positive impacts of COVID on well-being was for some individuals, their finances really improved. Yeah. So what we have to appreciate is the diversity, you know, some some individuals were really hit hard in the last two years yeah. on PUP or furlough, whatever it may have been. And then other individuals have never been financially sounder. So, you know, it's back to the point we're making at the very start where, you know, you, you're as an employer having to accommodate such a diverse experience um, in your workforce. One large scale survey showed that 37% of um, technical professionals um, are living paycheck to paycheck um, Mm -hmm. and 57% are struggling financially um, or have suffered significantly in the last two years. So there is, as I said, a diverse range. People are very healthy, but there is a worrying percentage of individuals financially struggling. And as an employer, this is something to really factor in mm. when, when you're looking at promoting the health of your workforce and really supporting your staff. Yeah, so people are at various stages across the scale of various scales of financial or mental well-being or physical yeah. health as well. So it's, yeah. So I think in that instance, you would need a kind of well-being strategy that accommodates for, you know, targets various areas, maybe having financial well-being training, maybe having your fitness workplace challenge, maybe resilience training skills or mental health training or something that is a pick and mix that uh, each of their employees can kind of, you know, opt in for if they find that it's relevant to them. I think as well, um, just in terms of global trends um, and from what I'm reading in reports is that well-being has to go move beyond your yoga classes and mindfulness classes. It has to be more ingrained into a well-being strategy where initiatives have, you know, um, an overarching theme for the year over the next three or four years and endorsed by leadership as well. It's a time to really get serious about well-being in you know you can imagine if people are burnt out if the workload demands are so high that giving them an extra day or a week off which some in the states have provided it, it doesn't it falls short of being genuine about well-being because they're going to come back to you know a high workload again or a backlog even so it's not really addressing the key issues of why those problems are there you know it has to be as you said a, a holistic approach and really you know, looking at the organizational factors, you know, are there policies that could be created that would improve communication or, you know, um, iron out why workload is so high or demanding or supports for 
um, you know, giving employees autonomy over how they do their work and that flexibility, which keeps coming through as well about how important that is now for people who have been through a challenging two years and really want their work to work for them in, in a sense as well. Absolutely. It's like the systemic, you're, you're kind of talking about that culture shift, which yeah. and it ties up nicely. Um, what we saw last year, an increasing number of employers that really want to confront exactly what you've just said, the deeper operational issues that are leading to um, imbalances in well-being and and. and kind of diminishing their their employees resources um mentally and emotionally um and so yeah that sincere culture shift and that demand for employers really kind of taking that closer look um and and, and the different tiers also like a well-being program and offering trainings and and information comes in on that but on a kind of a, a more um yeah like um on a more authentic I think is what needs (laughs) (laughs) authentic leadership I often see trainings where it's teaching leaders how to be a certain way but it's really it just boils down to simply caring or at least pretending to care about how your employees are without being too invasive as well Well, but again yeah sorry as you know like the work we've been doing with Alex Edmonds on our advisory board and he's he's Mm. pioneered work in this field to show that the companies that really care that even park the metrics to a certain extent and just choose you know place their employees and all stakeholder health and vitality at the fore they inevitably profit their share Mm. they might see in the first couple of years that there's no immediate return but the long-term share value um, in these companies um, is exponentially increases so it's like doing good um, as, as that kind of core value um, inevitably will will generate um, a more profitable sustainable yeah. successful business he has a compelling some compelling research on it and it's worth checking out his, his yeah and I think overall there's so many positives of what's evolving currently you know after those challenging two years we have this you know hybrid model you know becoming available you know a change a, a, a shake-up of the traditional workspace as well where you know our desks were practically our second homes yeah. and you know and trying to bring a bit of you know bring back that connection and quality connection as well it's kind of a a clean slate almost and uh, a real change and aggression in you know that work is in some place that's supposed to be tough and challenging and you come home exhausted and you have no energy for your family or friends that it's just really evolving now and it's a perfect time to really kind of develop a new way of working so it's you know even though we did drill into some you know root cause analysis that overall I think it's a really positive shift globally for for how we work. Yeah, the positive side of disruption with that. <laughs> what, it, what is it called? Post-traumatic growth. Um, yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. So thank you for listening to another episode of Zevo Talks and thanks to Sarah for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about psychological safety at work or managing the transition to hybrid working model or anything we've discussed today, you can reach out to us at zevohealth.com.